This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Seems small and quite absurd After feelings Nancy's stirred I'll bet there's a perfect word In some old Gaelic language Welcome everyone, welcome to the show Very excited today I have other humans with me in the studio But we'll get to them in a minute Well, there's, okay, there's a part human over here <laughs> Rick is now acting like a big chimpanzee. I wish we had a video camera on that, but we don't. I it's... wish we had a big chimpanzee. <laughs> oh, yes. That would be fun. <laughs> we, that's what we, did. we could do an octagon discussion on evolution then. <laughs> that's not deep at all. So, uh, Bobo. <laughs> that's right. And then man learned to throw his poo. <laughs> the never end. stopped since. Exactly. Yeah. The end. The end. <laughs> oh, yes, we have already started here. We're all in a weird, giddy, funny mood right now, and it's a good thing because it's almost summertime. I think maybe the light is getting to us. It must be we're peaking on light here on the well, – in the Northern Hemisphere, of course. I don't want to leave out my Southern Hemisphere friends in Australia, New Zealand, and the Antarctic and lower Chile. <laughs> Chile. Chile. Buenos Aires. Where they, yes, where they are facing the longest uh, night in the, in the, in the year um, this week. Uh, but uh, next week, yeah. So it's, you know, the 17th today. We're, we're recording on the 17th. It's the 18th, according to you people who are listening to it. It's like time travel. It kind of is. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on these days. Uh, Throwback Thursday. Yes. Yes, it'll be on on Throwback Thursday. We'll be... Throwing back a day, 24 hours, maybe, not even. Uh, and so, uh, yes, summertime, uh, we here in L.A. have been uh, dealing with June gloom by the coastline, which is our early summer weather. I have a friend who used to um, help with location managing and stuff, and people from Europe would call up and say, oh, we want to come and shoot your gorgeous sunny beaches and people in bikinis and everything, and we'll be there June 1st. And he would say, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> people will be in sweatshirts, and there won't be anyone on the beach, basically, so you might want to come in August. Uh, so we've been dealing with that here, which is fine and wonderful, because for me, that means if we have June gloom, which is kind of May, May gray June gloom, that means that climate change hasn't completely fucked our weather yet. We're still in a bit of a natural uh, pattern and... Uh, Something's <clears throat> working right. Something. Just... <laughs> 
one little thing is still working right. Um, the daisy in the battlefield. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, but things are good here in Los Angeles, and uh, I hope everyone's getting there, um, getting ready for uh, Labor Day. Is that coming up? Is that we already had that? We already had. Oh, Fourth of July is the big thing coming up. That's it. That's right. We celebrate the independence of our country that we've completely undermined. Yeah. You can't even <laughs> remember what that day stood for anymore. No. What, what was that thing? What was that day? By Codependence? Setting, we fireworks. It's for fireworks. We, se- oh, yeah. we celebrate it by setting off bombs that do no good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> fireworks. Pretty much. Yes. Yes. We bomb our own skies. Yes, we do. To scare your pets. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We knew we finally found out that Corwin is deaf, my my eldest dog. Uh-huh. We thought he had gotten really, really stubborn. <laughs> I would figure out why he wouldn't do anything. He used to be so cooperative. And then last year on the fourth of July, he had no reaction to the fireworks. We went, oh, we're stupid. <laughs> He's still the genius he always was. We couldn't figure out that he wasn't hearing us. He's wondering what what have where have you guys been? Why yeah, have you been so why quiet? Why don't they tell me I'm a good dog anymore? <laughs> oh, poor guy. Love him so much. Uh, over last weekend, I was in Santa Fe teaching a workshop uh, with a bunch of amazing, talented women, and uh, just spent the weekend in Santa Fe. Uh, drove up to Ghost Ranch, which is where Georgia O'Keeffe first came to uh, – stayed uh, in Santa Fe area. It's about an hour and a half north of Santa Fe. Georgia O'Keeffe, who was known to have said, wait, my flowers look like what now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she was actually very pissed off about that, that people kept saying they were vaginas and she kept saying – well, they're flowers to me, people. So, uh, but yes, I went to Ghost Ranch, which is this amazing retreat center. Uh, like I said, an hour and a half northwest of Santa Fe, and the rocks there—you might as well be in the Grand Canyon. It's like that reddish, orangey, uh, just spectacular. And the sky, the light of northern Roadrunner and Coyote setting. Yes, Ooh. completely Mesa's drawn by Chuck Jones with the old yes. orange. Okra, yes. tan, orange. Clearly, he spent some strata. time at Ghost Ranch. Yeah. Yes, nice. yes, <laughs> and uh, and that was great because George O'Keefe's kind of one of my like goddess hero women people, and so I got to you know get my groove soul on with her and hang out in her space and do some journal <laughs> writing, and I was really cool. <laughs> and uh, and then there's also this other great thing in Santa Fe called Upaya, which is a Zen center. This woman. Uh, Roshi Joan Halifax uh, started this about 30 years ago there. And uh, just as it's, you know, it's kind of just outside of Santa Fe, like five, seven minutes outside of Santa Fe. And um, just Zen, it's just Zen, like there's Zendo, you feel like you're in Japan. It's so beautifully built. And last time I was there a month ago, I went to the Zendo for the first time and did there, they have a formal sitting at 5.30 p.m., and uh, but this time I went and it was very quiet and there was just my friend Carol and I and one other civilian and there was about eight other people who were the residents there. They're the people who are studying Zen and devoting their life to it and they're in their little robes and they got their things on and uh, it's it's uh, very traditional. It's twenty five minutes of sitting, ten minutes of walking, twenty five minutes of sitting, and um, very traditional. There's no guided meditation or anything like that and. And I've done a lot of these retreats, a lot of these silent. I'm, I'm great with it. Do you I, do the tea ceremony? They, no, they don't do anything like that. This is just a pure, this is like four times a day they do these. It's a ritual. It's like being at a Catholic monastery. They have their vespers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
And I've done a lot of sitting, walking, sitting kind of stuff. But uh, And each sangha is a little different. Each community sangha is a little different. Um, this one, their walking meditation, I wouldn't call it walking. It was the slowest thing I'd ever done in my life. And here you are. You're with the residents and you're with your friend and – and, you know, you sit for 25 and they ring a bell and they tell you, you know, we're going to stand now. And then we turn to the left and they ring the bell and we all start to walk. And so the person in front of me is like two cushions away. is in front of me, about 10 feet away from me. You, you, you gauge your own pace on the person in front of you because you don't want to be one of those tailgater type people. <laughs> and I realize he's barely oh. lifting oh. his foot. I mean, it's... And we go slow when I do normal walking meditation, but this was just... I, there's a, a Tai Chi walk that is a similar thing. It's a control of balance and a very slow control. And you wind up getting Zen rage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so, yes. So, and I've done plenty of this. So, so I Does he slowly start Yo, cutting Lenfus. coupons oh, out? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I'm behind him and I'm thinking, wow, this this is really really slow. <laughs> wow, we're are we we're going to we got 10 minutes to do this. We're going to make like t- 10 feet if we're lucky. Excellent. Because and of course, it's not about how far you go. It's <laughs> not about anything. It's about just being with your foot as you're lifting it. But I've never done it this slow. He's probably a really fast driver though with those legs. <laughs> right. And then I'm those like thinking, feet. who is this guy? Does he even know what he's doing? Clearly not. He's going way too slow. <laughs> Of course, I find out later it's the it's the vice abbot. You know, <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. Judge he's teaching you a lesson <laughs> completely. So I'm like I'm like enraged. I'm total enraged. And then I'm like, oh look, look how enraged I am by his slow walking. And now I'm like watching my thoughts. Now I'm laughing at myself. We finally oh. get five feet. <laughs> After 10 minutes, they ring the bell and they say, now you quickly walk back to your 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 pillow where you were sitting. And, you know, each one's, you know, you're like, oh, what's the route and everything. So I'm just following people and you do the thing. Da, da, da. Sit down. Now I'm like totally in my head. And we do 24, five more minutes of sitting. And so now it takes me a good 10 minutes to just even settle in because mm-hmm. now I'm laughing at myself and I'm like, oh, I'm so crazy and neurotic and everything. And we get to the end. And usually at the end of these sittings, each and each, like I said, each song is different, but they have this chant they do, which is the the Dharma, sweet and lovely, the creation and reality, and all this kind of stuff. And they do it three times in this chanty kind of way. And then at the end, there's a big bong, and then there's a little bell, and you all stand up and bow. Well, this time though, there we did the chant and everything, and I don't really know all the words, so I just do the because I know the tune. Know the tune, but I don't know all the all words. The words yeah. And sometimes they have the little words for you, and I'm like looking under the cushion for the words. Yeah. There's no words. I'm like, okay, I'm just humming along today. <laughs> and we get to the end, and Mr. McSlowy Pants over here <laughs> next to me goes, There is birth, there is death, there is much to do. Time is short. Do not squander your life. Yes, that was my reaction too. It was like, holy fuck, the voice of God has just entered the Zendo. It was like a a literal wake-up bell, which is what they talk about in Zen, or the wake-up stick. They have this like stick in, the, in real Zen where they hit you and wake you up. And, and I was like, okay then. <laughs> 
clearly <laughs> needed to hear that. It was amazing. Wow. Well, first of all, why are you scolding me? You say to him. <laughs> And yeah. secondly, if we're not squandering it, why do you walk so slowly? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It well, was... Zen again. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Zen. This is Dow. This is Dow. Mrs. Dow. Good. Very good. Uh, so, yeah. So, basically, I'm here to tell you people, don't squander your life. Uh, yeah. Pretty uh, – and and it, so it became the theme of the weekend. So I told the story to everyone I met, and then we'd all just every you know it was a total. It was the callback of the weekend, basically. At any moment, you could look at someone and say, "Don't squander your life." Uh, so I'm not. So we're here doing a podcast today. No. <laughs> we're doing something. Great. You're very productive, mm-hmm. by the way. And you what got I, a lot going on, and lady. What I, and what I decided about that is in in the past, and I had some insights about this. One of which is. I know the reason I was so dedicated to writing my book and telling my story was because in my 20s, I really did feel like I was squandering my life and my Mm. gifts and all that had been given to me and opportunities. And I think this is really a way for me to make amends to myself for that and and really, as we all do as entertainers and artists, you know, we want our work to have an impact on the world. And if that can, then I haven't squandered. Did not squander my 20s then. So that was like what came to me then. But if you didn't do all that, if you didn't quote squander, unquote, squander your 20s, yeah. your story wouldn't be as powerful. So. This is true. So there's Optimist over here. But there's the uh, Zen Cohen of it all. That's how I always <laughs> justify <laughs> my procrastination. <laughs> yes, well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm just letting it marinate. Yeah, like, totally. totally. I'm totally yeah. cooking yeah, right watch now. Watch another episode of uh, Will and Grace that I haven't seen again. I guarantee you there is a minimum of three accidents I have missed. Uh, for because Completely. of because of procrastinating, yeah, or just, just hold off see? a little longer. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, for sure, at least three. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I missed the flight. Sorry, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wasn't meant to be. Wasn't meant to be. That so, is so true. <laughs> a lot so, of a lot of people now say that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. I have come to believe that that is true, but the reason comes first, and we call it a cause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beautiful, mm. beautiful. Yeah, what's what's Good the big reason? A pin came out of the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it came loose. <laughs> that's the that's like that's the big the mountaintop reason. Zen reason. Yes, that's what happened. That's and shit happens. Well, and if that's not a segue into our topic today, I don't know what the fuck is. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, make use of it. Totally, a huge gap in between the segue and the thing. I know. <laughs> I, I I like tripping people up. Tripping people up. <laughs> Uh, as you can tell uh, from the voices in my head that are speaking out loud into microphones today, <laughs> there are other people here in the studio, and so I'd like to make sure you know who all of them are. And if you're a regular listener, you already know who these people are. But for you newbies, um, uh, the microphone on my left is Mr. Dylan Brody. I will be playing the part of Dylan Brody throughout the, bro- the podcast, <laughs> the smodcast, the, smod- the broadcast. The broadcast. <laughs> And Dylan, uh, if you don't know, is a writer, storyteller, humorist, bon vivant. Even if you do know. Even if you do know, uh, f- uh, steampunk, fob-wearing, cell phone owner, and a man who loves vests. I do. I am. Uh, some people are ver. I am the very vest. 
don't know, I don't know where that came I don't from. Best. It was a yeah, it was Tenet. a it was a best fishing for that I was very playing, best. I, there, I know there was a, a joke in there somewhere and all his vested interests. I, he, he, he does well, you know, and the B and the V are really close on the keyboard, so it's, it's just true. couldn't happen was, at any it moment. It was a verbal typo. It was a verbal typo. <laughs> it was. You're the very best Dylan Brody I've ever met. Why thank you. Yeah. I strive to not suck. And he's in the Dylan Brody business. He is. I he am. I'm, deep, I'm deeply invested in the Dylan Brody <laughs> yes, business. Yes. <laughs> there is another Dylan Brody. There's like a 14 or 17-year-old Dylan Brody somewhere in the Midwest. And I had to send him emails saying, would you would you please stop using my name and being <laughs> vulgar on Instagram? <laughs> and then all of his 14 or 17-year-old friends bombarded me with angry emails. And yes. Then, and then I had to send an email to a parent. Ooh. Wow! Yeah, it, was, it was a little, it was oh, a little oh. uncomfortable. Wonder, what did they say? Were they like, "Can you please stop wearing vests"? <laughs> no, no. They said, uh, "Sorry." And then, He's and then he went away. Yeah, Aww. yeah. It was, it, but it was upsetting. Such I, I was, a bully. I was getting angry emails from my fans, going, "What is wrong with you?" Oh I, no, it's not me. It's some kid who got Dylan Brody on Instagram before I did, oh. and then and then I got on Instagram. But was he was he it. pretending to be you? No, it's just his name. Uh, it, was, it was purely, purely is you. problematic. Yeah, in just, these days, they're, yeah. yeah. It's going to happen. And you have a pretty, that's a very rare name. There's a I, lot of Kelly Carlins out there. So yeah. I, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a woman, a realtor that had kellycarlin.com for years. Oh, <laughs> The oh, website. Man. And I was so mad. I was like, oh, is this You were net? No, I had, uh, what did I, I ended up doing Kelly Carlin's site. Dot com just you know right. and then her then she released it and now it now it's all good and everything uh the uh the microphone straight across from me is the lovely and fantastic heart-shaped wearing glasses Aaron Brown hi guys <laughs> <laughs> I told Kelly I'm wearing these glasses because I left my good glasses back east and then I lost my good glasses in LA. So I grabbed these childlike glasses. They are and I, two red hearts. Look, and darling. I don't even think about them. And I'm like, my friend's like, nice shades as we're hiking and everyone's giving me looks. Look, She's Rita, like, you look like you're I've five. made you a sandwich and look, I put exactly. lots of mayonnaise on it just so you like it. There you go. So I'm just looking at the world through um, heart-shaped glasses and giving love Aww, everywhere, even I in traffic. That. <laughs> I won't stop wearing them now. I make everybody say on the road. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm wearing them and I'm dancing. How are you doing? (laughs) Why not? And if you don't know, Aaron Brown is a writer, performer, comedian, sketch artist, actress, momentum person, which... Right. You know, yeah. we'll explain that later, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Just doing stuff in the world of changing corporate America. Ooh, I love One to executive that. mind yeah, cool. at a time. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. It's very, very cool organization Thank that she's you. just a part of and that I just got to see the launch of. And mm-hmm. and it was just amazing. So, yes, she's she wears multiple hats, as we all do here and Hats. on this at this octagon table, which is a square today, but we're just pretending it's not. <laughs> And on my right is the most fantabulous Rick Overton. Hey, Kel. Hey, Thanks Rick. for having me back. Always. I, I know. And I'm glad I get to see you before you head off. Yes, yes. Thought they were going to have a bash over the next couple of days. Looks like this is it. Looks like <clears throat> this is it. Yes, uh, Rick is talking about the fact that just before the show started, uh, my friend Eddie Brill mm-hmm. called because uh, he's at the Johnny Carson Comedy Festival in Omaha, Nebraska, which he organizes every year and runs. And uh, the female judge of their comedy contest has had a family emergency and cannot make it. And I've been tapped to judge comedy, and I'm going to be just such a cunt about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. 
<laughs> so I'm off to Omaha tomorrow. Who knew what your weekend will ever fill the, uh, fill up with? Hang um, and judge, Caleb Carly. <laughs> <laughs> she she hates everything. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you did not kill. Therefore, we must kill you. Oh. Dun dun dun! Don't nothing slip the noose with her. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know who Mr. Rick Overton is, uh, shame on you. Rick is a stand-up comedian extraordinaire, actor, writer, uh, filmmaker. Uh, God, what else, Rick? Improvisor. Im- oh, improv master of improvisation. Uh, great friend and uh, uh, man of many, many hearts and voices. I just got to do the voice of Ian McKellen Ooh. for a Paramount show for the young folks. And uh, Ricky, Nicky, Dicky, and Dawn. And I got to be this that. dragon. That's my favorite show when I wear these glasses. <laughs> I was. Uh, I'm on the uh, the TV uh, doing an animated thing. Where I get to do this voice right here, young dragon sing. And uh, wow, which is kind of complimenting the fact that I just got to work with Patrick Stewart. Oh my god! <laughs> and those two are like best buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just got to work with them on a new Stars series called uh, Blunt Talk. Oh wow! Oh. How fun! You're yeah. busy. I got a little busy. A little burst. Lucky, lucky burst, Yay, burst lucky, of lucky busyness. It's good to be in the Rick Overton business right now. Be, uh, <laughs> keep the gears turning. Absolutely, man. Keep the yeah, gears yeah, turning. Yes, yes, yes. That's keep happiest. it greased up and turning. I feel like that's my most my planet of all the planets. You know, is the that that universe between action and cut somehow. Yes. Like, ah, uh, now we're running at racetrack speed. Nice. And my, your brain gets to do everything it really loves to do. You uh-huh. know, because you can't leave a race car sitting on, you know, the 405. Yep. It'll just blow up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So that the level of adrenaline and, and the walking the edge of creative danger fast. and all Turn of that. hard rights, hard yeah, lefts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, like a race car. That's And great. having tens of thousands of dollars of invested money going on around you. That helps. They're all dependent on this moment that you get to provide. Yeah. 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 And every Stakes now and then high. there's enough faith in it that you can still land a lap in that setting. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. You know, and so that's why things like set list are such good practice. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That makes that sense. that leads to the same machine that makes the other things. Yeah. That's the muscle builder that then goes on to do that. Right. The high stakes, putting yourself in the high stakes adrenaline situation yeah. where the, the brain pops and, and you trust something in that. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so I, while I was in Santa Fe this weekend, uh, not squandering my life and being at one with Georgia O'Keefe, I was thinking, well, I want to do an octagon this week and what should the subject matter be? And the sky was so beautiful and my heart was so open. And I thought, you know, let's just tackle a little subject, nothing too big, nothing too, um, you know, um, uh, too hard to, to, to handle or contain. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, let's just talk about the meaning of life. It's a lot of fluff. Just, yeah. Just, it's a lot of BS. And, you know, we probably get through it in like seven or eight minutes. Uh, (laughs) So, um, you know, uh, so here's. Like, whenever you reduce it, the life is just. Yeah. Like that whole process of blowing off everyone else's experience of life is just. A rough cobbling of decisions from my shitty, tiny fucking speck of a life. (laughs) 
Let me explain it to you, son. Life Sorry. is a freeway. Yeah. And uh, no, you were just on the freeway. You're, just, you're exactly. cobbling That's together it. improv from things you just saw in the room. Stop yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's two kinds of people on earth. People who think there's two kinds of people on earth. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, well said, you know, the, you know, what is life? Life is whatever fucking metaphor you can come up with pretty much, you know, in, in, in some it way. It changes from split second to split second. Yeah. It, it shifts and shifts and shifts. It's, it is maybe the single most subjective question in the universe. Completely. And, and yeah, and no one... No one ever gets to find the answer and no one ever gets to be have the right answer and uh maybe that is the meaning of life. Mm. <laughs> it's the there, search for it. There was a story that I read in high school that had a profound impact on me and I couldn't find it again. I was searching for it for years and then about a month ago I thought, "Oh, I should put it on Facebook and see if anyone knows it." Mm-hmm. And somebody told me the title of it. And sent me a link, which I then promptly forgot to click on and actually reread the story. Well done. Well, I, will, I, I still have it somewhere <laughs> in my computer waiting for me to revisit it. I'm a little afraid to because I don't know if my memory of it is yes. as accurate. Uh. as. The, but this, it's called The Man on Top. And it's a story of a, a business guy who is told that there is a, a wise man on top of this mountain who can tell you the meaning of life. And he hires helicopters to get him as far up the mountain as he can, Sherpas, to, and they, their people are dying around him, falling down the mountain and freezing to death. And finally, at the very end, he staggers up to the peak of the mountain and finds this old man sitting cross-legged. And he says, I've struggled to get here because I get, told you have answers. I my God, I was told if I could find you here, I would know everything. And I've, all these people have died. And I put in all this effort and time and money and energy. And the old man says, you mean you walked? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> my dad had a variant of that joke that he loved. The guy climbs up the mountains and his shirt is turned back. And he's, oh, fingers are gone. You know, frozen to death, goes to the beads. <clears throat> Wise master. I gave up everything, my wife, everything, my life, sold off the business. I just want to know what's the meaning of life. And he goes, a wet bird does not fly by night. What the fuck are you talking about? You mean I just gave up my whole fucking life? I threw away everything and all you have to say is a wet bird does not fly by night? You mean a wet bird does fly by night? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't fucking know either, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> and the version I've heard is yeah. uh, um, a, a mom uh, she lives in Manhattan, New York City. She's got all the money in the world, Park Avenue, the whole thing, and she decides to, to give it up, give it all up. She's she calls her accountant and says, "I want to liquidate everything. I've heard that there's a man on top of a mountain in the middle of Nepal, and I want to <laughs> go and I want to find my way there, and I want to find him, and I want to talk to him." And they're like, "Are you sure you want to absolutely want to do this?" And so she flies and she flies into India and then into Nepal. And then she has to get in a rickety old bus and they go up to the mountain. And then from the bus, she has to get to the Sherpa and the Sherpa can only go so far. And then, of course, she's in a single line with all these other people. And it takes her like, you know, six weeks to get to the very, very top finally. And she gets to the very, very top. And she's told before she's going in that she only gets three words with the guru. And she looks at the guy and she says, okay, all right. I think that's all I need. So she goes up. It's very quiet setting in this big cave, and there's candles lit everywhere. It's very serene. And she comes up to the guru, and she says, 
Murray, come home. <laughs> I didn't see that. Sweet. That's the version I've heard. I just canceled my trip that I had scheduled to oh, go to sorry the mountain. About that. No, yeah. it's excellent. Thank you. We saved you a lot of money. A lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of squandering. That could be squandered better somewhere else. So I appreciate that. So I guess that the, the first question in this meaning of life thing always is, is there is there a meaning? Is there a purpose? Is there, I use the word uh teleology is there an underlying direction to all of this thing is there purpose what you know there's there's two camps here there's the science camp and there's the religion camp and of course the religion camp says of course there's purpose the purpose is to you know pick your religion uh, get to heaven be at one with everything whatever it is and then science says no it's a big fucking crazy accident and we're all here because Adam smashed against the right ones and this thing glommed onto that thing and that thing happened and a lightning thing came down and here we are and we're humans where do you guys stand? I on believe all this? both religion and science. I, and I've just realized to say that it's because Adam smashed against the right thing. <laughs> 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 well, fuck! I think we just solved it all. Yeah, That's that right. age-old tension between those two camps. Um, spirituality is a third thing. Yes, religion isn't spirituality. Not religion is an industry to pose as spirituality to keep you from wanting to go on your own journey and find it on your own. And they tell you just it's like selling a brand. Coke says Pepsi sucks. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> and so yes. they they you don't go to another competing brand of looking for this. Right, right. Uh, but I think they've found like lately that quantum physics is starting to blend into some spiritual understanding of consciousness. That maybe the entire time when we're talking about spirituality, we just are still such a primitive adolescent learning to walk just now species mm -hmm. in the curve of birds and dogs and everything else that runs right. on. We're the last animal on earth. Right. We're just figuring it all out now. And like a sort of adolescent douche, know-it-all college kid, <laughs> no, it's this because my parents paid thousands for it, so it's true. And I read this book somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to use this word a thousand fucking times today, you know. Yes. Oh, you obsequious. It certainly is an obsequious day. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're, we're going through that phase of our own development of knowing how the universe works. We've scratched the tiniest edge of it. Yeah. And, because every, and it's because of the grant basis of science. Because you have to act like you know. Or they pull the name the, money, the slide right, in your the door money the right. and your shit is dumped out of the office. And the next arrogant douche who acts like he knows comes in and takes it and uses some science to get there. But the system is designed so you have to bend things to make your your funding people stick with you and right. not the next guy. right. And that and that is all acting like you know. Well, and you I, have to lock it down to act yeah, like Yeah, and, and I think that the questions that are asked in science are, are, are limited by that system. And I think there's plenty of other scientists who do theoretical quantum stuff yeah. that's, that are lucky to not have to be in that system necessarily. Well, this is how capitalism stunts yep. science and, 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 and truth art seeking and, and truth and seeking and yes. all exploration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because it's all about product and never about process. Right. And if, if we're talking really about meaning or, or purpose. Those are two separate things. They are, and they are. I get um, that. But we have to simply accept that we are ants at LAX <laughs> trying to get the big picture. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at this 
square tile, and I see that there is pattern to how everything functions. How dare you speak these words? I am returning to worship the lozenge stuck on the tile over here. Don't you understand oh, the lozenge? The lozenge seems infinite, but eventually it will all be used up. We must see beyond the lozenge. There is a vending machine. Blaspheme. Oh, my God. Bring it into the hole. I think that's where everybody gets in their own way, though. They're trying to figure out the big picture and just, instead of just being in the picture, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's really what it's all about to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I do I, – I, I don't totally agree with you on the whole religious thing. I mean, it's like you can choose whatever you want and get whatever you want out of it. You can choose Pepsi and you can choose to love Pepsi, you know? Yeah. Um, you can find your own meaning inside exactly. that box. And without yeah, agreeing with all the ingredients in Pepsi. Right. You know? I mean, that's just my mm. personal – Perspective. I wasn't, I wasn't saying it to say that you shouldn't have a religion. I'm just saying this is a pattern they have Absolutely. all established yeah, I agree to reveal. With you. Yeah, and, there's their and that's what puts so them at money. odds totally. with spirituality. Exactly. It's because exactly. the difference is spirituality is yeah. I'm going to figure some of this out. And dogma is no, no, no. I tell you what this right. is and you just take my words and that's it. Right. And I and I think that is the that's that's great because it is and, and so it's with it's about me finding the meaning in yeah. this which is the path instead of me being told what the right. meaning is mm. and and I think nobody knows right exactly and I think that's what's so interesting about science is that that's what science rubbed up against at the beginning of. It's, you know, the modern age of modernity when it was like, oh, the church has been telling us that the world is flat and that the earth is the center of everything. And yet I have this device that I look through now and I'm (laughs) seeing something and it doesn't calculate right anymore. And so I'm willing to look for the truth of it outside of this box Mm -hmm. and be, you know, burned at the stake for it. (laughs) Oh, that's the first big meeting religion had about science. Yep, yep. They went, oh, this telescope thing is fucking everything up. This (laughs) is going to cost us a fortune. We're going to lose so many people to this. We got to be really like enemies to science for the rest of the the, the span of man. Because if they practice what they preach, like, oh, there's something greater than there, call it God, call it force, call it universe, whatever the heck you want to call it. Well, then that person created all this other stuff. They created the telescope itself. Exactly. So what the... Yeah. Anyway, get it straight, people. Well, that's, right? again, get it a, straight. This is the perfect the example conflict. of what the physicist is going through, who's grant based. Because once again, these are just they're grant pay based spiritual people, right? Except you're the ones feeding the grant, and they're uh, looking for the truth, and they, they have to once it becomes a business, you, right. you you spin everything to make the business work. Exactly. It's always no, the people. Right. Uh, at least in in Western society, it is those who have the most financial power and the most to lose financially who decide what the dialogue is going to be about science. Mm. And and we don't recognize that what the oil companies do when they mm-hmm. deny climate climate science mm-hmm. is exactly the same as what the Vatican was doing when it denied uh, planetary science. And then the Pope yeah. comes out this week saying, <laughs> "Yeah, climate change is real, and uh, we need to do something about it." And and one of the Christian right doesn't believe in science senators or congressman says, well, what does he know? He's only got two years community college. This is what this guy actually (laughs) And like 80 years on planet Earth. He's not a scientist. I'm like, no, the thing is, is that we rely. So so guess what? We're not all these things. Like I'm not a bus driver, but I could rely on a bus driver to find out about bus driving if I needed to, or he could drive the bus for me or something. So we kind of rely on these experts we have in the world, which, you know, 99.9% of these science experts say that it is real. So I think we Oh, we're okay yeah. with that. Yeah. My, my, favorite, my favorite thing is when the, the, the politicians who are paid by the oil companies <laughs> – <laughs> 
come out in front of their constituents and say, well, I'm not a scientist. Right, right, right. So I don't believe what they say. <laughs> well, good <laughs> for you, sir. That makes you an idiot. So right. I don't believe what you yeah. say. Right. Okay. <laughs> so to get back around to the topic. Sorry. No, yeah. no, this I, is I great. I believe what you say. I great. just don't care. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, it means nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to get this lobbying. And, and so, the, and this is the tr and this is the funny thing and the tricky thing about all this because when we're talking about the meaning of life and we're all like, you know, each one of us kind of decide on our little territory of that and what it means for us, but you don't get to be a person in the world and say, well, I'm not going to believe in that. The, the you know the Earth travels around the sun, like you know, like th that's what's fascinating to me about these these they, they politicians the who do these things. It's like. It's, this isn't a subjective thing, person. This is science. This but is different. They're trying to own the context of the conversation. Right. The context is, right. I choose to believe this. You're, what you're doing is setting an example of defying facts because of a choice right. that mm -hmm. you made. And he's that's dog whistling in for young minds to go, oh, well, I'll just do it that way. Right. I'll say I choose. And 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 yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my, my husband's trying to call me right now. Hi, Bob. Oh, I have to text Bobby. him. Bob. Uh so Bob, she's recording. I know. We'll call out guy. to you from the past to say <laughs> hi, Bob. <laughs> We're doing a seance. Uh, <laughs> so when did you guys in your life and how, like, what was the path for you? How old were you? Did you drop some LSD? Did you drop a rock on your head? Like, when did this question of uh, what is the meaning of life, like, what does it all mean? When did that come into your consciousness? Have I told you my peyote story? No, please. Oh, may I tell a peyote story? Yes. So when I was 11, uh, I was at summer camp. And it was my third year at the summer camp, and I was sort of bored. And they had a thing where you could go to a nearby Native reservation and stay with the Native Americans for a week and learn about Native American culture and then come back and return to being a privileged white kid. <laughs> yes. And I went, and after a few days, I didn't want to leave. And there were a bunch of phone calls made. I assumed checks were cut, and I got to spend the rest of the summer on the, this reservation in wow. Maine with, with Iroquois of some sort. Um and it was very exciting and it was very weird and I was a guest and they liked me. And every week there was a, a big – you got around a fire and uh, there was a uh, naming ceremony for the adolescents who were becoming of age. Mm -hmm. and the, the shaman would call out each of their names and give each one a feather and they would be given their name and the, mm. the, the group would be told the reason for that name and – then they would go on a vision quest the next day. Wow. And the second to the last week that I was there, he called my name. And <gasps> I was very young to be given a name by the shaman. But I was leaving soon and I had been accepted. And it was really just a thing saying, yeah, kid, you're doing okay. It was you, you right, were pulled out right. around We're honoring you. But to me, it meant a great deal. Of course. Um, and they said, you know, you'd never say your name aloud because that is to call your guardian spirit to you to help you in a time of trouble, which I do not believe. And yet I find myself incapable of breaking the rules. <laughs> awesome. So there's kind of like a weird kind Cognitive dissonance nice, for me there. I like it. Um, and uh, and then the next day, I was to go on this vision quest. So I I hang out in the shaman's backyard with Michael Redhorse, I think was his name. Uh, and he was young; he was like nineteen or twenty, and he was going to take us on a vision quest. And we wake up early in the morning, and we all had uh, light fruit breakfast and peyote, and then threw up, <laughs> and then Holy and shit. then climbed Eleven. a mountain. Holy shit! And so That's a I'm, brave's age, right? I'm climbing the mountain. And we climb the mountain and we get about halfway up this mountain and we go out onto this narrow, narrow ledge. 
And then he stops walking. And we're all stuck on this ledge. And one, uh, of, the, one of the girls goes, well, what do we do now? And he says, watch the sunset. And it's like noon. Oh, my God. What? So we're tripping tripping balls on this <laughs> ledge. And I'm 11. <laughs> and I was standing on this thing. And I could see the main forest out below me, mm. sort of glowing green mm. under the noon sun. And I'm aware that the trees are breathing in our carbon dioxide and breathing out the oxygen for us. And we're breathing in the oxygen. Wow. And, breathing, and we're all part of this connected <laughs> damn thing. And I'm 11 and I'm just, oh my God, this is huge. And nobody's talking, so I'm not talking. <laughs> oh my God, this is huge. Oh I'm part of this thing and it's amazing. And then just as the sun is getting toward the horizon. So we've been standing here for hours. Mm. What the hell is going on? Uh, A a huge bird, I want to say it was an eagle, might have been a big hawk, Mm -hmm. I don't know, comes around the mountain and is in front of us. Mm. And there's this moment where it's just circling directly in front of us. So it's way above the forest floor. And I'm going, oh, it's in space that I can't be in. It's doing things that I can't do, but it's right there, right near me. But, oh, we're different, but we're the same, but we're different. You know, all that shit. Yes. (laughs) And then as I'm imagining being the bird, I can suddenly see how clearly it can see the ground below it. And there's a little bit of movement. And then I, I look down at that movement and there's a tiny little raccoon, like a young raccoon down there in the grass. And I, I think about being the raccoon and I look up at the fucking bird wow. and I'm having trouble breathing and I'm grabbing the rock behind me because this shit is going on in space that would kill me. And the bird dives down and grabs this thing and then circles once with it bleeding in its claws and takes off. And we all stand there <laughs> and the sun goes down and we climb down the mountain. And I am having all the, you know, all night I'm having dreams and it's like hangover peyote dreams and I was connected to everything and I was the predator and I was the prey and I was symbiotic with the world. And the field. I was was all of these things. And you're 11. And I'm 11. 11. And the next morning, Michael wakes me up and says, Dylan, the shaman wants to see you in his house. And I'm like, I've never been in the shaman's house. Why does the shaman want to see me? Did I do it wrong? Am I in trouble? What's happening? And I go into the shaman's house and I'm incredibly disappointed because it just looks like a house. <laughs> And he's, he's, like, he's literally, he's sitting he's at- He's got his black and white he's, TV. He's, he's, at, he's at his breakfast table eating Captain Crunch and a banana. Nice. So I'm like, uh, okay. He's not even eating light. Everything's gone wrong. This is all turning into a nightmare of some kind. And he gestures to a chair and I sit down. He says, I want to talk to you. I say, I know you want to talk to me, but I want to talk to you. This was amazing and thank you. And I don't think I could ever explain this to the kids back in Skyliverville, New York. And I don't think I should even try. And this is incredible. And thank you so much for letting me be a part of all this what did you want to say and he took a long pause and he said i think maybe you shouldn't tell your parents we gave you peyote oh my god (laughs) you're 11 yeah maybe possibly (laughs) and it connected everything that had just happened to the world outside and the concerns of of human interaction 19 year old screwed up dude there was a a mess there was a mess up here and I didn't intend for Michael to get you wasted and (laughs) climb shit Um, but it, it I'm was gonna my, have a talk with him a little later. It was my first experience of a spiritual awakening. Yes, and then a really solid return to Ooh, human interaction wow. and, and, and and grounded existence, wow. commerce and business. Yeah, yeah. back to usual. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so, 
my answer to your question is when I was 11. Why do you ask? <laughs> I, ju- I just can't get over that the guy was eating Captain Crunch with, I, with banana. Oh, yeah. That's like, weird. That's not That's even wrong. like, you put banana in Rice Krispies. Yeah. You can cut it up. Captain Crunch is like. It's a solid own thank thing you. on its own. Like, you honor the Captain Crunch. He had I've been sliced. done that recently. He hadn't sliced the banana into the Captain Crunch. Oh, he was oh. separately was, eating he was, it. He had the right. banana over right. boat just okay. sitting on top. I thought he was a shaman. Right. I will say, I will say, I, now that I think better. about it, there was a moment that. Uh, Clearly made an impact because I remember it. He was eating the banana with a knife. Mm. He would slice off a piece and Ugh, then eat it, creepy. which is really not the way I've ever seen anyone else shaman. eat a banana. That's why shaman it's does apparently it. that's shaman style. Yeah, that's shaman. Did you squeeze the shaman? I was just gonna say that. <laughs> oh, you know that commercial too. Don't the, shaman. the shaman. Oh wow, we did that on stage one time. Don't Some squeeze dude, the like, shaman as a shaman, and he, the other guy you runs up. Squeeze, he squeeze it. It was like, hey, don't squeeze the shaman. <laughs> Oh, cool story. Wow, great story. Thank you. So you were 11. I was 11. Just had a little at 11. Minor little thing. A little minor yeah. little moment there at 11. Wow. Wow. So Aaron, what about you? Did, think, when did you start thinking about the big picture thing? I, well, I think last night when this uh, happened and landed in my inbox. <laughs> Do you want to be on my show? We're going to be life. discussing uh, the oh. meaning of life. Mm. Cool. Let me just. Uh, Is there a quote here that might work uh, for me? Let me just take four years of philosophy. Kelly's class texting tonight. me like, "Are you coming?" I'm like, "I'm just cramming. I'm doing all the research I can about life and what it is to be living." Um, I'm meditating. I'm taking peyote. I'm a meditator, and it's really helping. Oh my god, um, I feel so clear right now and on crack all at the same time. What? That's life. My life right now. I, you know, it's interesting that you're saying it because I, 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 I can't put a finger mm-hmm. on when it was. And in a way, I think it's twofold. Like, that's so awesome. And then I want to beat myself up forever, like, stopping to think about it. You know what I mean? Because I, w- I, I was such a playful soul as I still am and, uh-huh. like, just in it for whatever. And it probably was, like, when I got to a philosophy class, you know, like, that I really thought and was like, this, I think that's what I am. <laughs> Deep, you know, right, right. and I did dig all those like classes and religious studies, and, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I, to be honest, when I really, I do and now. I think way too much, right? You know, yeah. Um, but when you ask me it, really, and it's going to sound like it's going to sound how it's going to sound, but it, like it's love. Like uh, that's like what comes comes from me. It's uh-huh. just love and whatever that means. Like whatever every every sense of that word. Yeah. And I just kept today was like an energy and flow and like to me, you know, and just and and for me personally, in the last I'd say like year or so, it's been slowing down, which is like mm-hmm. hard for me and mm-hmm. being still. And it's like, oh, there it is. Um, that that other that something else that that trip that thing outside yeah. of the daily commerce holy shit mom and dad are gonna get mad I took peyote <laughs> right right I mean like there was yeah. time like I remember like I, I lived in Ecuador and that was amazing mm. I rode on top of a train for nine hours through the mountains like yeah so like I was like I had such a lust for life yeah as, like, yeah my dad once said to me and I was like that's pretty cool well and you said it earlier even when we were t- talking briefly at the beginning about yeah. it's like there's this thing about being in life for you. Yeah. Like just being engaged is your connection to like it's it's not an intellectual thought for you. It's just this engagement that you have with everything. Mm-hmm. Because when I go back into that head, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, so <laughs> right? Because right? it can be a dark place. And so it's like the heart, like just what and I've been asking myself that a lot lately, just like really what's going on there and get out of the head or when do those two match up? So yep. when those do, I feel like I'm on the right the, the flow the right. Thing. 
whatever that means. Right. But uh, the plain, like I always, I'm such a cliche. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> not with those red glasses I or those hard glasses. Right. I mean, I just feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I think, you know, actually in high school, my friend Christy and I did start reading like self-help books. Mm-hmm. And then we'd be like, this is too heavy. Let's get back to James and the Giant Peach and do voices. <laughs> and and go to the mall. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, but I, uh, it's funny too, because the other thing I did today, which I was talking about, I have this, I have these two aunts and they're freaking awesome. Um, Aunt Pat, they're nuns and uh, they're like radical, amazing women, my mother's sisters. So I send, a, right? So I send Aunt Pat an email like awesome. two hours ago. I was like, quick question. <laughs> <laughs> that is the topic. <laughs> hey, Aunt Pat, gonna be on a show. <laughs> Just want to know what's what's the meaning of life. I go, you're the, you're the most one of the most spiritual people I know. What would you say? And I'm like, oh, she's not going to get it. So I'm driving over here uh-huh. and I get a voicemail from her. <gasps> oh, good. When you know it, like freaking Aunt Pat, right? Like, here we go. Um, Life is a hot fudge Sunday. I got it. I was just like, then there it is. So here we go. Here's Aunt Pat, everybody. Aaron, I just went on the computer this minute and saw your question. And right off the bat, I just want to say to you, for me, it's a total God-giving gift of what the word life spells. Living, imagining, fighting for what is right for each other, and to enjoy from the beginning to the end the ride that God gives us through this gift. Lots of love, much peace. Hope all is going well. Talk to you soon. Hey, she's all right. Aunt Pat knows what's going on. Pat, wow. that's all right. She's wow. amazing. And I love her accent. Talk <laughs> to you later. She sounds like <laughs> every Jewish aunt I have. Right? But she's, she's from Queens. She's Queen. She's, she's Irish. Queen. Uh, Jackson Heights. I'm from Fort Hills. Nice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was beautiful. Right? Absolutely I'm like stunning. out of the mouth of the babes. Like, Hello. she's like, oh, I got to call her. Hold on, I got to. And here's I like an it. acronym so you can remember it. Freaking <laughs> 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 love. Break it down. Right? For the young people, for the Off young the minds. Off the bat, these she are just my thoughts. Hashtag, school, right? hashtag life. She used to teach high school boys for years yeah, 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 and they yeah, yeah. worked. She's, she's a teacher. Oh, she's so real. Oh, oh my God. She's, she's so real. She's as real as they get. That's My husband's aunt is, was a nun. She's no longer with us. Uh, Sister Innocent. And she was the coolest person so I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. got it. Like, and yeah. talk about that difference between spirituality and, and religion. You know, the nuns really get it because yeah, the nuns yeah. are treated like shit by the church. Ugh, big oh, time. Yeah. Huge. Yes. And so they get why they're there. It's and they as close to a burqa as you can get. Yeah. And they, ha- and they have a relationship with you know, they're married to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what their life is about. And they've got their own relationship to this stuff. So I love, I love ants who are nuns. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. That yep. was beautiful. Next time I'll bring an aunt in. Oh, right. yes. <laughs> We're booking her for next month, Aunt she's, Pat. She's something. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So Rick, what about you? When did the big question come in, uh, come into your life? Well, I think it's an ongoing process. Yeah. I don't think it ever, ever stops. I I think with your first breath, you've asked the first question. Mm. And your first bite of food and your first step. And the meaning of life keeps bumping to the next level if you're evolving. And when that stops, you've discontinued evolving. And you're dead. And you're you're walking <laughs> around, but you ha- yeah. you're, not, you're no longer living. Yeah. yeah. You're just like... Uh, 
that sort of Mac computer wheel thing is just spinning and <laughs> oh, yeah. the beach ball spin, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, it's your ring. face. There you are, but you're not doing anything. Yeah. Checked you're out. still here. Yeah, checked out. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think forward motion is is the equivalent of it mm-hmm. and that you'll, you're not going to get it before you die, but you'll get every time you do it, maybe your actual self is a much larger thing. Right. And that you're connected to it. And there might be, if now these new theories are true, infinite separate versions of you like a sea anemone and at the end of each arm is something grabbing one little tiny thing that brings it back to a fetus central mouth and mm. each one is from a, the central thing and that's all a version of you, you right know? yes but all in different parts of town all reaching everywhere because you got to eat you know yeah and your soul got to eat maybe that's the way it feeds itself and the, the your ego my ego hates the notion that i'm just one little fucking doofus at an outpost <laughs> In a guardhouse, yeah, and that's well my just, uh, to, to, just you know guarding a building they never invite me into until right. I'm dead. You know, over in on Earth 37X. X. Yeah, right. It's like Tom Cruise going in, and there's all these clone Tom Cruises, yeah, and, right, uh, exactly. or a Moon, the movie Moon. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the meaning of your life can be different from the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Meaning of life is a rule we all got to follow. So a rule we all got to follow is probably, you know, take, follow a golden rule. Mm-hmm. Like all the, all the big religions seem to have figured out that, that basic Newtonian physics theory. Yep, right. Yes. Action, <laughs> reaction. Yes. Right? Cause and effect. Yeah. And so, but I think on a personal, I think it is, it is whatever you're supposed to learn in your lifetime is the purpose. And I, and I mm. think though your purpose in life is different from the meaning of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, absolutely. Your purpose yes. in life, I don't think you can have for yourself. It has to be how it affected others mm. or it doesn't begin to reach. Your meaning of your life is the part you keep for you, mm. but your purpose is it's how it served everybody else. Mm. Like your legacy? You know I, mean? I just think it's the rules. The rules. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think I've always thought of the, the process of life as a, a work of art. Since, a ch- since I was a child, I sort of had this thought that there's an arc to it. And with any, certainly any temporal art, that is to say music or, or a novel or a play, as opposed to a painting, which is still. Right. right? Any temporal art, you don't know the meaning until the end. Yes. Mm. That's when it comes together. <laughs> so I would say in terms of meaning, we don't get to know until that one damn last second. Where you, oh, I... <laughs> Right. Right. And you don't get to share it with anyone. Yeah. And it's different for everybody, oh, I'm I love sure. That. I love My that. dad, on his deathbed, he was in a coma from his liver failure and was jaundiced. And uh, they didn't think he would have another revival in him. Uh huh. But evidently, and I wasn't there because I was at work at Chrysler when this happened, but he suddenly went, <sighs> sat up, pointed one finger up, and went, love, and fell dead. Oh. Boom. Nice. Well, boom, Aaron. How are you nice. Hello. Avi. <laughs> wow. Like he was shown, he got shown that's the map beautiful. or something Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. You know, I was Oh, that's great. Yeah. And there's people that like to say, well, that's just a layer of the brain chemically breaking down. Right. And blah, blah, blah. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I had a little experience when I was little that uh, sort yeah. of transcends the yeah. explanations I've been given for. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing about that being an artist, because you had asked kind of about that and you brought up being art, it's like, it sounds so corny, <laughs> filled with it today. But like the heart, the word art is in hearts, you know, mm-hmm. and like a true art that really affects you, whether it's music or dance or comedy, whatever, it's like, if it's coming from the heart and and, and it's affecting you how and, and moving you on an emotional level, like in this, our soul having this human experience, like that's 
that's it, you know? Yeah, this, part of it. This uh, qu- quote here, I've got a bunch of quotes here in front of me, but this one quote uh, by Novalis says, only an artist can interpret the meaning of life. And when I when I think about that quote, I think about, so what does that mean? What are we revealing, you know, through art that brings meaning? And, and you know, there's something about connecting to everyone mm-hmm. that's part of it. Like there's some clue in that. Mm-hmm. And and looking beyond, which, you know, your story, Dylan's so revealed, you know, looking the beyond the day-to-day mechanics of life and, and these roles in society that we have to play and that we're put into, you know, what is this thing about having this perspective where you can you can be the cliff and the little boy and the bird and the <laughs> raccoon and all that uh, at once and have your innocence shaken so soon yeah yeah and 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 um my dad when he took acid uh he had this large awakening also and he figured out when he was in the middle of an acid trip that like the atoms and the thing you were talking about Rick that everything so we're all made up of the same thing therefore nothing is not me so everything around me is me and he says and he and he had this moment where it was like including like nixon because it was 1972 <laughs> uh an old tennis shoe in the gutter of the street <laughs> Uh, the clouds, like, so everything. And so he, after that moment for him, it was like he felt safe everywhere because he was just encountering himself over and over again. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, yeah. That's, we that's are great. all the dust of stars. Yes. And we yeah. are, we come from the death of stars. Yeah. 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 And I, and I know, like, those of us who've dealt with death and been around people who've died, you really get that sense when you're around it, like, oh, yeah, like... We're just all, you know, like the, like the the literal stuff of it, the the material stuff of it, you know. No matter what, your atoms are going to break down and they're going to go out and they're going to make new stuff, you know. And so after my mom died, I was always like, "Wow, I wonder if she's like in an airplane yet, or like you know, yeah. part of a part of a yeah. uh, you know a, a caterpillar somewhere yet. Some of those atoms have they been exchanged yet for that, you know? Yeah, right. So and that's for me that that's where I like to go with all of it. It's that it's that oneness thing. And it could be considered a science. Yeah, we're of just not there yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We just don't have the the instruments. To to measure it all, yeah. That's it. That's it. It's all. It's a pretty detailed thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah, and it's it's, you know. But my thing, you know, I look at, you know, I look at our culture in America right now, and what's that? There's culture in America <laughs> right culture. now. Where? Step it out. Step it out. Sign quickly. me up. <laughs> Quick, put it on a reality show and make it go away. <laughs> exactly my point. Was <laughs> which is, you know, we're so not allowed. At least the like the commercial part of our culture, uh, to 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 really talk about the meaning of life. You know, it seems, it seems like everything's about distracting us from these big questions, big or using it in some ironic way to sell a cheeseburger or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can talk about it, but as long as it's ironic, you know, and you're yeah. you're not really talking about it or That's taking right. it seriously. Yeah. You have a curly mustache while you say it. <laughs> In skinny jeans, <laughs> typing away in your typewriter. <laughs> Get over yourself. Well, there's, 
there's a lot of distraction that has to go on for society to function the way it currently functions. Yes. And there is a lot of benefit to those who are at the top of our, our societal structure to keep it functioning the way it functions. I, I don't know if you read my recent piece in the business section of the Huffington Post, but we've, we've denied ourselves the language with which to discuss other possible economic models. Mm. So we are trapped in an untenable capitalist system that was devised and built around an erroneous pre-industrial notion of infinite natural resource. Right, which yeah. if you look around at the natural world... It doesn't exist. Like there's... the buffalo, the <laughs> buffalo on the plane. That's right, exactly right. Where it's, are they? There's, there, exactly. Th th that premise seemed to make sense at the time. Yes, because... But it's... now we keep saying we need more economic growth, we need more manufacturing yeah. growth, well, we need more, but we're running out of stuff to make things out right. of, and there's well, too many people. let's get to Mars. Yeah, exactly. And they are, they're Starting planning all over. Let's That's get it. to the moon and let's get to Mars. I I've said it before, yeah. uh, but uh, Stephen Hawking has said that colonizing another planet is the only hope for humanity, yeah. and yet it is impossible to tell when he's being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's great. Uh, Grandma Moses says, life is what we make it, always has been, always will be. She doesn't say that anymore. No, she doesn't. <laughs> and then Jim Carrey says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see it's not the answer. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's kind of what we're trying to do in this culture. It feels like everyone's trying to be the, the celebrity, the, you know. You know I know and I maybe, am. Artists. Maybe that will work. Maybe, wait, maybe this will work, though. Maybe there is a bigger picture in all of this. Maybe with all of this selfies and social media and we all have a YouTube channel and we're all we're all becoming Promoting. the celebrity of our lives that right. we'll all see that, oh, I got my 15 minutes or I got my 15,000 followers or whatever it is and we'll see the emptiness of it all and there will be a grand awakening at the edge of all of this. Well, part of, you know, as, as an artist, I constantly think we should be exposing more of the truth and stripping away the lies. Yes. And it started to happen now socially with the, the cameras that are shooting what the police are doing and we've yes. all been pretending for years right. that the police are not exist. misbehaving all the time mm -hmm. while comics were going on stage and doing jokes about, you know, police around here, man, bam, 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 freeze, police. Freeze. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was hack jokery for a long time. So everyone knew it was happening yep. and we were all pretending it wasn't. The same thing was going on with the the pederasty in the Catholic church yep. and everyone knew it was happening, but we were pretending it wasn't. And now as, as those lies get exposed and we get closer to the truth, it's possible that what we're experiencing is some kind of weird Gaia principle. Yeah. We are becoming one mind that can't lie to itself anymore. Yes. Kind I, of a thing. I do I think, think about so that. I do absolutely think I'm about so that. Boy, I wish I hadn't ended that beautiful, eloquent paragraph with kind of a thing. <laughs> I was I was doing so well, and then I said, or something like that. Oh, come That's on, the only part I understood. <laughs> it was for the kids, the youngsters. The young people that like works. when you talk that like that. That works for me. That, More contractions. L-O-L. Oh, my God. That was excellent. Very, very, very funny. Um, so what, as an artist, what what is your – do you feel like in some way like a privileged position because you get to – be connected to the big picture and the meaning through your work that you do? Or is that a bunch of load of big horse shit? Well, I think the arts uh, are a place where you can be expressive and there's 
so far, less rules about how you express yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're getting like a stand-up spot for a late night show or something like that, then you have a little problem. They can tell you what to do. Yes. <clears throat> but most of the time, it's you either buy the painting or you don't. Mm-hmm. And so it gives us the carte blanche to feel like we can express things and we'll find the place that likes it and then we go there. Whereas you can't really do that with auditions. You can't, you know. Yes, find, yes. I'll find a studio who wants my reading of this one part. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if that were only true. Yes, pardon me. Oh, excuse me, my good man. No, I brought my own menu. I'm going to have your chef prepare this that I typed out. But so here's the thing. I think now, you know, in the in the 21st century, we're we're coming around to seeing that artists have figured something out that other people are trying to figure out. If you're somehow creative, and a Mac kind of lets you do it and figure out a job you can do out of your house, is sort of using the same part of your brain that artists have always kind of used the whole time. Right. And it's the right half of your head, and somehow I'll build a life that does that. And in that builds a skill set. So we're the one of the few groups of people on earth who make broke look cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that makes us really hard to control because the flow of money someone's going to pay you is supposed to be one of the few things they can control your decisions <laughs> right, right, with. with the carrot and, and the stick. And we neuter them of from that, that ability right. to manipulate us so our art remains slightly more unadulterated under those conditions. Well, and, and I think, you know, a, a really important role for art, whether it's painting or literature or theater or or dance or opera or the fine arts and and the more lowly arts is that we're having conversations in all of that work about what it is to be human. We're mm-hmm. trying to figure out, you know, in a painting, it, it can be just an experience of an image of beauty or trying to replicate a, a moment in, in a scene or, you know, writing novels and how people interact. And, you know, we're, we're constantly, I believe, tr- trying to figure out what it means to be people. How does all this work? And then say, this is kind of my version of it. This is the way I kind of see it. Do you see it too? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, maybe we can start a conversation about that. And so I think when it comes to the big questions, you know, and, and this is why I think it's important for Oh, for kids to have art programs in their schools, to be able to use this part of themselves. The right that, half of their head. Yes. It's critical. That connects to, to something survive. besides the bean counting of it all. Yeah. and Trying to turn them into a PC and not a Mac. Well, yeah. again, we've, uh, we've destroyed the possibility of that as we're building our culture right now. Mm-hmm. And it's for very specific reasons. I mean, what we call democracy is not. It's representative democracy. So we're working from a limited number of choices mm-hmm. for who we even elect to represent our needs. So in order to get people to buy into this and believe that it that they have freedom in that limited set of choices, you must indoctrinate people into, into multiple choice thinking. Right. A, B, C, or D. Right. Which one is it going to be? Just choose one. And, right. And those are the only these options. These are your only options. And so, look, how, look how free like you are. That. You have four options. Right. You are so free. Yeah. You can choose between Trump and Sanders. You right. are so free. Mm-hmm. Or you right. can have a right. latte or an iced mocha. Right. The dog, is, <laughs> exactly. the dog is happy when you take the leash out. Can I get yeah. that with soy or almond milk or skim milk For or non For sure. You can or... control all of that. And, and you are in control of everything. Baskin Robbins is your universe. Thank here's you. how controlled we've become. Uh, and this is the the way language can destroy us if it's if it's allowed to be in the hands of those who wish to control. Uh, during the sixties, seventies, and eighties, communism and socialism were 
insistently equated with totalitarianism uh, and and uh, oligarchy. Right. And it was done deliberately, and it was it, we were indoctrinated into it through our school systems, mm-hmm. so that capitalism itself became a code f- word for freedom. Mm-hmm. And to talk about any other economic structure is interpreted as a call for totalitarianism. Wow, yes. And all over Europe, there are perfectly free, happy, functioning socialist Social companies. Yeah. Social Social countries, democracy. Because yes. democracy... Uh, Comes in many different d- Democracy shapes. is a governmental structure, right. not an economic form. Right. capitalism right. is economic, and, right? And uh, democracy can function under communism, it can function under socialism, it can function in all sorts of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... By equating the one word, the two words with these other f- words, right. we eliminate a whole avenue of discussion, and we we make it impossible for people to discuss changing the capital. It's why well, everyone refers to Bernie Sanders as the socialist right, candidate, right. and no one refers to everyone else as another capitalist candidate. And and oh, as we as we've talked about already uh, th- throughout this hour is that. Um, in general, institutions when you have when you're stuck inside of an institutional thing, and so e- even inside of uh, you know socialism and and communism and capitalism and all those things, uh, if if the powers that be don't want you to be thinking about the meaning of life, uh, they find a way to <laughs> kill and torture you for it, you mm-hmm. know, one way or another, whether it's through. Um, reality TV here in America (laughs) (laughs) or the gulag in Russia, you know, (laughs) kind of the same thing, right? That's where the artists come in, you know? Yes, and And that's why they go after the arts. You can't stop me, you know? And even like just back to, when you talked about institutions, I mean, Aunt Pat, like forget about it. It Mm -hmm. is like an archaic institution and being a woman in the church, like, oh my God, I love talking about that with them because it's a man's freaking world in that world. Talk about patriarchy, my God. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to brag, but last summer I was out to dinner with two nuns and a priest and- um, That's a setup for a joke, (laughs) Total setup. For a joke, yeah. God, I was like, what am I doing? Why am I single? Oh, maybe because I'm going to dinner with people in their 80s who are the clergy. Um, <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it. Um, but the guy, F- Father Gunther, another friend. He's Father awesome. Gunther. He's amazing. He's mm. just so real mm. and silly, and um, but had no idea what they were going through. Yeah. Um, their specifics. Which I'm not going to get into, but uh, right, yeah. their situation and was appalled by it. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, well, the dudes don't have to deal with that because yep. you're in your big mansion, whether you're getting it from the church or you're making getting paid. You know? Yep, so, I think we're all getting it from the church. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know but what that means. Place I can get it anyway. anymore. Yes, yes. So, Let me put that's this why in we're the here. Plate. So, so basically, um, uh, meaning of life is uh, what you make it. Uh, you have to use different parts of your brain in order to, or some really good drugs, yeah. in order to contemplate these things. I had uh, on the drugs thing. Mm-hmm. I had a, uh, I was artist in residence for a term at uh, the prep school from which I had thitherto neglected to graduate, and uh, there was a religious studies professor there who objected to everything I did and everything I talked about, and he had this insistence. I, I talked about the fact that I, I felt there were spiritually enlightening moments that could be achieved through drug use. Mm-hmm. And it was during the drug war, during the height of the drug war. So, you know, there was a lot Just of say no. political pressure. Or yes. 
or as I used to say, just say no your limits. And of course, Nancy <laughs> Reagan did between four and 14 Valium a day. Yes. So it really should have been just say no. Uh, what? Yeah. Um, Jeez. But, just say no. Just say no. But at one point he said that that idea that you could take drugs and have a spiritual awakening is a shortcut. And therefore, the spiritual awakening doesn't count. Doesn't count, really. And I what? said, really? Why? Don't, don't you turn on the lights at home without knowing how to build an electric generator? <laughs> <laughs> do, we, do we really care more about having a well-lit world than an enlightened one? Yeah. Take the shortcut. Who cares nice. how you get there? Yeah, Use my, your ways. There's my, an app yeah. for that. Yeah. It's called peyote. My dad used to say, you know, marijuana and LSD, the, the psychedelics are value-changing drugs. And, yes. and value changing is the key phrase. Whatever gets you to change your values is the part of it, you know? And part of what was happening in the 60s with the, the response to the Vietnam War that is buried in the the revised history that says it was just nine stoned guys at the right. Summer of Love. Right. What gets lost is that virtually a whole generation got high and said, hey, wait a minute. Maybe human life is of greater value than property. Mm. And they couldn't have that happening. Mm -hmm. So they vilified the movement and they vilified the use of drugs that had gotten them to those thoughts. And it turned into a war on the youth coded as a war on drugs. And then uh, the 80s came and they all turned into yuppies and sold out. That's correct. Because because cocaine is not a values-changing drug. It is. Well, yeah. But you shift them down to the lowest floor on the building. Competitive. it's really expensive. Yes. And it's really- And it turns you you got to be making lots of money to even snort it, right? And it makes you have adrenaline, which you're only supposed to have when you're being faced with predation. Right. So it turns you into a- It turns you into an opponent. A constant fight or flight. Fight or flight. Desperate, bug-eyed, sweaty- where 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 can I st- stab you? And there <laughs> came I stab you. And there we're came the boom of the ATM. <laughs> yeah. Boom, see? And th- everything happens for a reason, Dylan Bernie. <laughs> My penis has ceased to function. Where can I stab you? <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk a little more about me. <laughs> so um so I, I think we're gonna end uh here uh with the big questions always uh unanswered. But so you know, we've danced around and inside them a little bit. And uh some of my favorite uh quotes here that I wanna just end with is um Albert Camus, who said, You will never be happy if you continue to search for what happiness consists of. You will never live if you are looking for the meaning of life, which is what Aaron was kind of saying. And then Joseph Campbell, my hero, life is without meaning. You bring the meaning to it. The meaning of life is whatever you ascribe it to be. Being alive is the meaning. And then, of course, there is uh, the end of the movie, The Meaning of Life. (laughs) (laughs) And for you kids out there, if you don't know who Monty Python is, Google it. And uh, please watch every single one of their films, including The Meaning of Life. And episodes. And episodes. Their TV is even possibly even – it truly is uh, really the essence of who they are, of course. (laughs) Um, So at the end of The Meaning of Life, the film, uh, the lady presenter comes out. I love that they call her the lady presenter. It's very British. Yes. Yes, Lady presenter. She says, well, that's the end of the film. Uh, Now here's the meaning of life. And she's handed a gold-wrapped booklet. Thank you, Brigitte, she says. She clears her throat, unwraps it, examines the gilt booklet. Well, it's nothing very special. Try to be nice to people. 
avoid eating fat, read a good book every now and then, get some walking in, and try and live together in peace and harmony with people of all creeds and nations. And uh, finally, here are some completely gratuitous pictures of penises to annoy the censors and to hopefully spark some sort of controversy, which it seems is the only way these days to get the jaded, video-sated public off their fucking arses and back in the sodding cinema. Family entertainment? Bollocks. What they want is filth. People doing things to each other with chainsaws during Tupperware parties. Babysitters being stabbed with knitting needles by gay presidential candidates. Vigilante groups strangling chickens. Armed bands of theater crickets. Uh, critics exterminating mutant ghosts. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for being here. Uh, I'll be in Omaha this weekend judging at the Johnny Carson <laughs> Comedy Festival. Uh, Dylan. On, I believe, the 26th, 28th, on whatever that Sunday is, I'm doing Uncabaret. Oh, lovely. For the second time. I'm very excited about it. Mm-hmm. A great lineup. Uh, and then uh, the following Tuesday, I'll be in Altadena presenting a brand new story at David Harvey's Songwriters Workshop. And next month in July, I believe it's the 10th and 11th, it's a Friday, Saturday, I'll be doing the all-naked comedy show, Performers and Audience All Naked. What? I will henceforth refer to my privates as my publics. (laughs) Amazing. Wow. Uh, I can't believe you have the balls for that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Erin, <laughs> anything you would need to um, promote? Well, I, I think I'm going to talk to Dylan. I want to sign up for the class of that you're teaching all your philosophy, uh, okay. your professor, right? Uh, yes. No, you really – it was great. Yes. Um, you know what? I'm going to be writing a lot. So Good. if you guys are watching me writing, then that's kind so of creepy. So if you're at a Starbucks and walking by. Mm, it's a little weird. Yeah, um, and I'm probably going to be doing some more stand-up because I've been doing it lately. Yeah, really, I saw it. I noticed fun. that. Yeah. So fun. F- I forgot how fun it is. And um, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, follow me and hire me because I'm doing private events with my red carpet. Like, Oh, yes. I, corporate and weddings, like, n- no joke. I'll tailor it. That's my big plug. And, um, of course, I'll be dining with the clergy. So. Yes, clearly. <laughs> oh, yes. that should be the name of your memoir. Dining, dining with, with, the the with the clergy. Yeah, well, my sister Patty's already working on uh, Sunday with the nuns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Nunday. Exactly. <laughs> And Rick, where where are you? Where can we see your body, face, mind? Well, hopefully, very soon, the series on Stars Network called Blunt Talk with Patrick Stewart will be coming up, and I got a really fun scene with him. Fantastic! Oh man, I I giggle just thinking of it to this day. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And then some stuff I'm not quite ready to completely mm-hmm. confirm talking about right. yet, but some pretty good stuff. Cool. Yeah, things are happening. The next one, I can announce all the details. And uh, if you guys are serious XM listeners to me, um, or even I- frivolous XM listeners, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, exactly. Thank you. Uh, my July fifth guest will be the most venerable Carl Reiner. Oh, oh man. Score. So, will you give him my love? I will. will. You ask him his meaning of life. Yes, <laughs> I will. And uh, so, yeah. So, come listen to my Sirius XM show with that guest coming up. And uh, and anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. Thank you, Logan Heftel, for your guidings of today and uh, the music selections. I don't know what they are because we haven't put them in yet, but I'm sure you people are enjoying them. And I want to thank the fabulous Richard Green for allowing us into his hut here and his recording studio in downtown WeHo. It's not downtown. It's it's <laughs> on the 
the outside of WeHo. And you guys don't even know what WeHo is, so don't even worry about it. And uh, and thank everyone at Smodcast, of course. And, and, you know, let's just thank the universe because, you know, it is the meaning of life show. So that said and done, ohm. And don't squander your fucking life. I still remember how you used to tuck me in Then you'd lean over me and turn out the light And you would whisper as I drifted off to dream the very Last words I would hear for the night I'm your father and I love you very much I'll dry your tears when you weep And if ever there are monsters in your closet I will protect you in your sleep I was in college the last time that you said it You were offhanded as though it were a joke I needed money and you said I could forget it You said my job description doesn't cover when you're broke I'm just your father, I must love you very much The rules are clear on when you weep Just call me back when there are monsters in your closet And I'll protect you in your sleep And now we talk on the phone Two married men grown apart and alone And things are going so I tell you they're fine I run the list of what I did today And then this silence settles onto the line And in that time we both imagine you say I'm your father and I love you very much I'll dry your tears when you weep And if ever there are monsters in your closet I'll still protect you in your sleep Now dad about these monsters in my closet This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.